Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Hello and welcome to Light Body Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lara May, and today I have with us Antonella Duell. She is a registered dietitian and an IBS expert. She specializes in the dietary management of irritable bowel syndrome, and she is passionate about helping women with IBS find relief from uncomfortable gut symptoms, which includes bloating, excess gas, abdominal pain, and unpredictable bowel habits, and figure out which foods are triggering them so they can stop being anxious around food, eat with confidence, and live a full, vibrant life. She is also a certified natural chef and loves creating gut-loving recipes for her clients that are both nutritious and unapologetically delicious. She currently lives in Santa Cruz, California, where she runs a virtual practice counseling clients all over the United States. And when she's not working, she loves cooking delicious, healthy food, running and listening to audiobooks while walking by the ocean. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here and to talk about this subject today. Thank you, Dr. Lara. Um, thank you for having me. I'm really grateful. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about where along your journey you decided to really focus on IBS and specifically the dietary management of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's been kind of kind of a journey, a torturous road, so to speak. I've actually spent most of my career uh, in the research field, the field of clinical research, mostly at Stanford University. I love that. I, I love really, you know, asking those questions and and applying the research and finding out those answers. I feel they're so important because those are ultimately what leads to, you know. Uh, recommendations for diet, lifestyle, etc. Uh, but you know, after many years, at some point, I felt my my job had become much more administrative than I wanted to, and I sort of lost the touch with nutrition. And ultimately, I am a dietitian, and that's what I love to do. And I wanted to make more of a difference in people's lives on a one-to-one basis. So um, I decided to start a um, side practice and and counseling people but at that point i was just seeing people for uh, various nutrition related issues such as you know weight management or you know high blood sugar high cholesterol etc etc but the more i saw people the more it actually you know came apparent how many of my clients were suffering with gut symptoms uh, and especially the irritable bowel syndrome um so i i did a little bit of research i dug into the subject and i became very very passionate about it and decided to you know i saw there really was a gap actually you know for you know dietitians specialized in this area and, and i decided to just go full on 
and uh, I, um, you know, um, just, you know, start to see people with irritable bowel syndrome. I specialize in the dietary management of irritable bowel syndrome, mostly because, well, not only this is a very pervasive condition, you know, 10 to 15% of the population worldwide is affected with IBS. And, and it's mostly women, two out of three people with IBS are women. But, you know, the symptoms are so disruptive of your life. Uh, you know, the abdominal pain, the bloating, the irregular bowel movement, they can really, you know, uh, impinge on, you know, your social life on what you can or cannot do, you know, whether you decide to go out to dinner with friends or whether you, you know, want to go for that hike or maybe instead decide to stay home because your gut symptoms are so unpredictable that you just don't feel comfortable doing those things that all of us give for granted. And what really struck me about the dietary management, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little later, of IBS is that it can really have an impact and it can uh, on, on people's lives and it can uh, actually act so quickly that in a matter of a few weeks, people go from, you know, um, you know, having the symptoms on a daily basis to, you know, having a reduction of anywhere from 75 to 100% and, and, and feeling so much better that, uh, you know, their life really changes. So that that's, that's why I'm so passionate about it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So let's start with, um, let's go back a little bit to the basics here. What is IBS for the listeners? Yeah, yeah. Today? very important question. So irritable bowel syndrome is, um, I'll start with, with what is not. <laughs> okay. It's, disease and it's often even um, confused with uh, a very similar acronym which is IBD which is inflammatory bowel disease which you may know as Crohn's or colitis um, so it and, and I, I say it's not a disease because when you, um, you know, look at the results of blood tests or, you know, images or colonoscopies, endoscopy, they all come out negative because there's nothing really structurally wrong with the GI tract, unlike those other diseases where there's inflammation or, you know, um, um, the villi are compromised and so there's not absorption anymore. Um, but in IBS, is it's just a syndrome of uh, a constellation of uh, symptoms, uh, like we've talked about the pain, the bloating, the gas, and irregular bowel movements. And, uh, um, and it's just that the gut is not functioning the way it should. In fact, it's called a disorder of a gut-brain interaction. And uh, the fact is the gut to the brain are constantly talking. But in the case of IBS, this uh, talk is not happening the way it should. And, and messages can be misinterpreted. And, uh, um, you know, it, it is a chronic condition, uh, but, you know, the symptoms can be managed to the point where um, patients no longer meet the you know criteria for IBS so it, it, there's a lot of hope there okay great great and so um is it something that's when it's um happening is it always present or are there like waxing and waning episodes and triggers or you yeah know, yeah I love that you actually um 
use that term because it's actually called a chronic relapsing disorder. So there is a lot of waxing and waning. Um, and uh, the symptoms uh, can change over time, you know, and you can have times when, you know, there are flares that are worse, and then you have times when they can subside. But it happens in a chronic way. So people are always, you know, experiencing them unless you know they find a way to management with what we'll talk about mm -hmm. so um how can it be managed i mean we've talked about that you you are an expert in the dietary management so i assume diet's a big piece of it okay. uh, so let's start there <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it's important to to think about what triggers IBS. So diet and food is, of course, you know, a big tri trigger for these symptoms, uh, as we can imagine. Um, but it's not the only one. Uh, so stress is another huge um, trigger for the symptoms. So people will tell you that, you know, their diet hasn't changed a lot. And all of a sudden, like there is this stressful event in their life. Uh, or for some people, it can be more like the chronic stress uh, um, that happens on, a, you know, at work or in the family. Um, and uh, um, that can also trigger symptoms and other aspects of your lifestyle as well, like whether you sleep well or not, uh, um, your exercise pattern. Um, so it, it's really important to address all of the symptoms. But where my passion lies, because I am a dietitian, is on the dietary piece. Um, and uh, um, um, here, what happens is really um, every person, you know. Um, well, let's start with this. There is no one diet that fits everybody. There's not the like one diet for IBS symptoms that will mm -hmm. suddenly make everybody feel better. Uh, it's more of a personal discovery because every person with IBS uh, is sensitive or intolerant to certain foods and they're not the same for everyone. Um, so um, I, I help my clients by taking them on, the, on this journey of discovery of what their trigger foods are. And this is all based on, on some really solid research uh, um, that was done um, you know, a little bit over 10 years ago, initially by Monash University in Australia, where they discovered that there's a group of foods, uh, mostly um, carbohydrates, uh, that uh, are responsible for triggering these symptoms uh, um, because they're very uh, rapidly fermentable and uh, osmotic, and uh, they can draw water in the gut, uh, and the fermentability can create excess gas and bloating and all of that cascade of symptoms. Um, so they observed in their research studies that by eliminating these foods, uh, you know, people felt better, they felt really dramatically better. Uh, now, it's important to know that these foods are actually really healthy foods. You know, we're talking vegetables like cauliflower or asparagus, fruits like apples and peaches and you know, um, mangoes, uh, and then some beans and lentils, uh, um, you know, the lactose in high lactose dairy product. Uh, um, so it's, it's, not a good idea to eliminate these foods for you know the rest of your life um but as i said you know not everybody is intolerant to all of these so that's where the discovery pits come in so after eliminating these foods for you know a short amount of time only a few weeks um then you get to reintroduce 
all of these uh, foods one by one or there's certain groups uh, um, and and so you really figure out whether it's certain vegetables or or is it the lactose or there's the fructose uh, you know what you know which one of these uh, carbohydrate foods uh, you know are responsible for your own symptoms so in the end you come up with your own personalized diet that just works for you so you may have to reduce some foods you know in many cases it's a matter of portion size not really a white and black you know uh yes you have to eliminate this for the rest of your life um and uh, and then you know you can always you know retry you know these foods later on like three to six months later because i said this you know as we talked about ibs being a chronic relapsing disorder you know your tolerance can also change so if you didn't you know find that you could tolerate something like garlic and onions right now it doesn't mean you want to tolerate it for the rest of your life but like six months later you could try it again and find out that maybe you can tolerate more than you did previously mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah uh, i think that's really important for people to really understand so i'm going to repeat it <laughs> is that yeah, <laughs> is that you know when we're like you i love that you call it a path of discovery because it really is. And I feel like if we approach it with that, it becomes, um, we bring in that energy of curiosity. And so instead of expecting like so many times in Western medicine, someone just to hand us a solution, which is usually in the form of medication, which is just yeah. symptom management, not a real root problem approach. Yeah. Then when we're looking at this journey of discovery, we're bringing curiosity. I feel like we're also empowering our clients, our, our, our people um, to, again, take an active role and to be, you know, paying attention, giving us feedback, um, you know, allowing it to be a conversation yeah. between practitioner and, and client or patient, um, you know, and so again, when you're on this path, it's not forever. Mm -hmm. Yes, you may need to eliminate dairy at the very beginning, gluten at the very beginning, soy, corn, any of these things that are inflammatory or any of, like you said, the, the fermentables. Um, and, but the whole point is, is that you'll feel better. So also too, if like we can flip that mindset of, of, um, of withholding and <laughs> into, oh, you know, like I'm going to discover what's going to help me feel better and move forward from there. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it's the way I see it is, is that it's basically giving people some tools that they can use. Mm -hmm. And I have like a variety of tools uh, and diet is one of them. And, and it's a powerful one and it's important one because one, we have to eat every day, right? But also food is so, so important in so many other aspects of the social aspect, the celebratory aspect, you know, uh, the enjoyment aspect. And unfortunately, what I see in a lot of patients is, is they just started going down on the rabbit hole of food elimination because it's understandable. I mean, your gut feels wrong and you have these gut symptoms you start looking at your diet and you think okay well i felt so bad after eating that i'm going to just eliminate it from my diet you know but that becomes a parallel slow when you're not doing it with you know 
um, and a focus in mind and you just randomly avoid foods because then you end up eating just a handful of foods and, and your diet becomes very inadequate, but also miserable and, and not sustainable. Uh, so rather than going, you know, on down on this, you know, I call it the food restriction circle of death where, you know, mm -hmm. you're eliminating everything and seeing food as an enemy. You know, there's actually, you know, a discovery path that's based on research and what we know it's affecting these kinds of symptoms that can allow you to actually have a much more variety in your diet and, and also enjoy your food and go be able to go back and eating with restaurant or eating with friends and you know the fact that you know for example you know certain foods really trigger your symptoms and you know for example i don't know you have an important meeting at work or you are on vacation you're traveling and you don't want to you know be um you know detracted and delayed and we want to be suffering with those symptoms then you know you can avoid them but at the same time, you know, you have the choice and something you really enjoy eating and you're home and you're okay. And you know that even if you do get some symptoms, you can take care of yourself and you can deal with them. You can also decide to enjoy those foods and, uh, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. So that's why, you know, it is, it is a personal decision. It's a tool that you can use to really manage your symptoms and, mm -hmm. and your life. Do you encourage your clients to uh, like uh, keep a journal when they're on this? Mm. And, yeah. and and I'm thinking too, it's probably more than just about the food because we did talk a little earlier about, um, you know, that, that gut brain connection and the gut brain axis. And so can we talk a little bit more about, you know, stress and, and yeah. our thoughts and how that influences our gut health and maybe the waxing and waning of IBS? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so definitely the journal it, is important, you know, I, I um, especially when we come to that, you know, discovery process where you're really you're introducing all these foods and you need to figure out not just which ones may be triggering your systems, but also the amount. Um, but uh, um, yeah, to, to expand the picture on, on, on the stress. Um, yeah, I hear that so many times from even clients who've been, you know, successfully reintroducing a lot of foods and now they're enjoying a, their diet. And then they come back to me six months later and they say, I haven't changed anything in my diet, but, you know, now I have another flare and what's going on. And so I deep deeper and I ask them questions about what's going on. And then I find out that, you know, oh, this, this thing happened at work that completely upset them and they gone through you know weeks of stress and uh, and 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 that's that's your clue you know diet is not not the only um reason and another example is you know people go on vacation for example and finally they're not under the constant stress of work or or you know other things that are going on at home they can relax and maybe they don't check their email as often uh, their, or the text messages and and suddenly they can they find they can tolerate a lot of foods that at home they weren't tolerating and they're eating more and uh, and so that again tells you that that's you know the stress because 
in, in one way we all have experienced that is the famous butterfly in the stomach right the the you know that's your gut and your brain talking but in people mm -hmm. with yes um one way i like to visualize it is that uh, as if the gut brain axis was a big stereo system with uh, uh, speakers set up to be too loud and so instead of talking to each other you know they're screaming to each other and so what we need to do is actually tone that volume down and uh, you know a powerful way to do that is is by utilizing uh, you know many stress management techniques because you know as much as we all would like to stress is part of our life and so the goal is not to really completely avoid it but you know when it's there to know how to manage it uh, so i give my clients you know lots of you know, ideas uh, um, on on how to manage stress, but ultimately it's it's, it's what works for them. Again, is is this conversation because it can be different for a lot of people. For example, you know, being able to go on a walk, uh, you know, could be a great way to you know or exercise in general for a lot of people it's a great way to de-stress and that could work for some people but for others it, it, it might not so uh, it could be um as something as simple as uh, doing some uh, deep breathing you know not only at the moment when you feel stress because something happened to you um but uh, even just before you start eating your meals um and the, the powerful action there is that uh, deep breathing can switch our system from the sympathetic response that you know that fight or flight response that most of us actually operating on on a day-to-day -day basis if, if we don't really feel stress to the parasympathetic response which is called the rest and digest response as well so you know when we you know when we switch that you know our a lot of things happen in our body our blood pressure decreases you know certain um um, hormones, uh, the stress hormones decrease, uh, and uh, uh, if we're about to eat the meal, what happens is a lot more blood flow grows to the gut, uh, um, and uh, those digestive enzymes can start working. Um, so we really set our digestion up for success in that moment uh, um, by you know, doing something that simple. Um, so yes, yeah, stress management is a huge part. I wanted I really, you know, although it's not my focus, I really have integrated into my practice uh, and I don't want my clients to um, sort of brush off uh, um, because it's so important. And even if they don't feel like stress is part of their life at this moment, you know, it can always be, you know, in the future. So again, it's another one of those tools you have in your toolbox that allows you to manage the, the, the flares. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, because I feel like some of us maybe to us, a stressful environment is so normal that we don't see it as that. Um, and we don't realize that connection that it's having on our digestion, uh, which then obviously directly affects the symptoms that we're experiencing. So, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, modern life, unfortunately, is is set up to have this. You know, stress is normal. You know, you know, yeah. just 
dizziness and not having ever stopping to take a breath or to take a moment or even you know we're eating on the run all the time right and that's that's not normal you know it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be that way we're supposed to actually stop and sit at the table and take a break and enjoy a meal um so yeah Yes, for sure. I'm even still guilty of that, even though I know better. All <laughs> are at some point, yeah. But just knowing that at least, you know, it, it, it's important. Would you say there's some like classic, uh, quote unquote, like mistakes that people make when it comes to managing their IBS that maybe they don't realize they're doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the one I I mentioned a little bit earlier, and just uh, um, basically, you know going down on this rabbit hole of just eliminating foods at random just or they start hearing you know they talk to friends or they read on the internet or like gluten is bad and dairy is bad so why don't we cut this out and why don't we cut that out and they could be unnecessarily cutting out foods that they could be enjoying and that that's uh, you know and, and make their diet a lot less nutritious uh, and could you know even lead to um, lack of, uh, you know, nutrition. Um, um, also avoiding all fiber, you know, uh, people can start being afraid of fiber and, uh, and fiber is actually your friend and is what ultimately will help you maintain good gut health uh, um, and overall health uh, as we're finding out more and more from the research uh, on the microbiome lately. Um, but so and that's why it's also important to you know work with a professional that that can guide you because uh, not all fiber is equal so we talked about the really rapidly fermentable fibers those are the ones that could be you know triggering your symptoms there's also the slowly fermentable or the non-fermentable fiber which you could be enjoying and and could be actually helping you for example in maintaining more regular bowel movements if you're either have slow motility or too fast motility, you know, fiber is actually, this your friend, but, uh, you know, you also don't want to overdo it. So there's a lot of, you know, nuances there. You don't want to eat a whole lot of fiber all at once. If you are not used to it, you want to increase it gradually. Um, and, uh, um, and, and the other big, you know, uh, thing I'd, I'd like to, you know, mention here is also, you know, self-diagnosing and just going on the internet and trying to find out your own, you know, what to do on your own. It, it can be really tricky. Um, you know, gut symptoms, again, can be very common to a lot of other, you know, diseases and disorders. So it is always a great idea to consult with a doctor. Uh, but even in this, you know, protocol that I was talking about uh, um, um, of, uh, you know, eliminating these highly fermentable foods, uh, you know, if you go on the internet and read about it, you know, you might get the idea that, oh, that's how you have to eat for the rest of your life. And I, I find a lot of people that have started this on their own, but then they're stuck in this elimination phase, which they don't understand. It's just the first step. And then you have to move on. There's two more steps to complete it um, so that you don't end up on a very restrictive diet for a long time, which in the end, you might feel good at first, but in the end, that actually might lead to more intolerability yeah i want to say a little bit more about that too in terms of our diversity of um the microbiome and mm. and 
you know, like, like you said, like if someone, let's say that they've been, you know, living off of what was called the standard American diet. So fast food, lots of um, trans fats, you know, um, processed food, not a lot of vegetables or green things. They move into, oh, I want to be healthy. So they introduce a lot of green vegetables all at once. And that, but their digestive system doesn't agree with that because their microbiome doesn't have the, the little workers in there, (laughs) (laughs) you know, the, the cascade of bacteria and fungi and even viruses and, and, you know, different things that all coexist in our, in outside of our gut to help us digest food. Um, so same could be said if you're stuck in elimination for too long, I would think yeah. that you might lose some digestive diversity there. Is that? Yeah, true? there's actually research that has shown that, that um, um, you know, even it just takes three to four weeks on this elimination um, phase uh, um, because the diversity of uh, prebiotic fibers uh, is, is drastically reduced and prebiotic fibers are the kind of fibers that feed your gut bacteria. It's their fast food. That's what they love to eat. Um, then our diversity and uh, also the you know number of bacteria does decrease. The good news that is that as soon as you start reintroducing, you know, in that process of discovering those, um, you know, rapidly fermentable foods. And then in your personalized diet, when you reintroduce those that you can tolerate without any symptoms, then the diversity can come back. So our microbiome is actually very responsive, but there is, you know, still the caution of, you know, not go on these longer rumination diets for like months or even Mm -hmm. I've had people call me and said, I've been on this elimination diet for like two years. And, you know, I want to, you know, wrap my, you know, hair <laughs> out um, and, uh, um, and scream because research has shown that the more variety we have in plant foods that we eat, you know, the four famous 30 plants per week, the more our microbiome is diverse. And, uh, and uh, um, you know, and, and with that comes all of the health benefits. Uh, and, you uh, um, you know, in the example that you just gave, sure, if somebody's just eating this basically fiber-free standard American diet, when they all of a sudden decided to go, you know, I'm eating healthy and now I'm eating all of these vegetables and these legumes, of course their gut is going to scream because, you know, their bacteria is, is much more diverse than microbiome is. And some of those species that were used to digesting those fibers may have died off. So you need to start repopulating it a little bit at the time um, and, and maybe go more gradually with your fiber intake and, and until you, know, you basically train your microbiome to, to get working again. And then, then we can have this beautiful symbiotic relationships where we feed them our, the good food and they, they make all of these good things for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then just the only other thing I was thinking about is that we haven't really talked about the differences in IBS. So there is IBS with constipation. Oh, yeah, yeah. And IBS, we are where you have more diarrhea or maybe like more um, what people would consider a, an acute flare when you're sort of, you know, attached to your toilet for a day or so. Um, 
So let's maybe talk about the nuances, especially for those out there with constipation, because I feel like yeah. the, especially myself having been through that journey, there was definitely some advice that was given to me, even by healthcare practitioners that didn't understand it, which yeah. is why I think it's so important if you're suffering with this to really find someone that, you know, has some credentials or, you know, some sort of training in this specifically so that they understand what you're going through and you don't have to suffer needlessly by, you know, unintentional bad advice, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's really important. So it is, IBS is not just one disorder. It has some classification because it can present a little bit differently. So there is IBS. Um, constipation predominant and that's where you have you know um, very few bowel movements a week uh, and uh, it could be different for different people but uh, it's not just about the number of bowel movements it's also about the feeling of full evacuation that's now happening so basically you know the stool is getting stuck there um, and then it becomes painful um, and you may have even straining um, and then there is IBS diarrhea predominant where they have the opposite problem is that there's like the motility is too fast um, and, uh, uh, and, and the stools are also too loose. And there's also, interestingly enough, the mixed type it's called because it alternates between diarrhea and constipation. So you could be constipating for days and all of a sudden, you know, you go and then it's, it's more of like an explosion and it's still not that nice regular bowel movements that we would like with the good consistency good evacuation and, and and painless you know going to the bathroom should be you know a, a, you know a good experience <laughs> um right. but, like, yeah not yeah. painful and feeling relief afterwards <laughs> yeah 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 you see yeah. these instagram you know posts where people you know it's like that you know getting out of the door and feeling like you're you're ready to dance you know <laughs> Uh, they make it a little bit funny but uh for sure constipation and i see this in my in my clients it, it's really the ibs with constipation um needs to have some particular attention because this protocol that i described that uh, works really well for the symptoms of abdominal pain bloating um even you know the the diarrhea um but constipation i like to say it's a beast to attack on its own. So there is there are a lot more tools in, in that you, you need to really access uh, to address the constipation um, you know, on its own. And you could be doing it at the same time, uh, or you could even be starting with that and, and see many times, you know, constipation is really at the root cause of all of the other symptoms. Because think about it, if you have stool stuck in your system you know that leads to excess fermentation while it's sitting there the bacteria continue to ferment and that can produce more gas and the gas can produce more bloating and then you feel very uncomfortable if you don't go for many days so i feel that solving the constipation you know in, in ibs c it's really really key um and so um you know there are a, a, 
you know a number of tools one is diet i mean we all know we need to drink a lot of water um fiber management uh, the right kind of fiber that can improve the consistency um and the regularity it could be some fiber supplements that can help um but if there is a motility issues uh, you know you you need to actually accelerate the motility as well and then you have to look at, at other things and really deep deep in what's causing the constipation in the first place um because although for most people it's really bad diet and poor hydration and maybe lack of exercise and and that can be quite easily fixed um for some people there's um some pelvic flora issue for example so it's not their diet is at fault uh, is that the, the musculature around the pelvic floor is just not working that way it should mm. so there in addition to diet you need the help of a physical therapist you know that specialize in pelvic floor um and uh, um yeah so it is it is a lot of nuance and unfortunately i see a lot of people going to their doctor and all the doctor can gives them a prescription for Miralax and send them on their way and or sometimes even you know prescription medications that can help at first but also have many side effects mm -hmm. uh, or maybe help for a little while and then they stop helping and and then people don't know where to go because that's the only thing they were given um, so it's more nuanced and needs to be really understood and you need to keep working and figuring out what really works for you. Is it more fiber? Is it a motility agent? Is it more hydration? Is it more exercise? For everybody, there is that special combination. But once you find that, you know, as long as you're consistent with that, then 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 that's it. Then you found the magic formula that works for you and that can keep you regular. Yeah, I would make a small suggestion too that maybe um, some gentle yoga because yoga, number one, it's movement. It's gentle it's stretching and strengthening but also there's a lot of pelvic floor engagement yeah. within the yoga practice so um, i would just encourage uh, you know if if any of this is resonating with you or you're sounding like oh yeah this is me then um you know and maybe you do do some yoga already but maybe bring that attention to your pelvic floor and just you know making sure that you are engaging and what that feels like around your abdomen when you engage. Yeah, it's so great that you mentioned that. I actually have a whole yoga, you know, handout that I give to my patients with those specific poses, uh, um, uh, because I've actually done even studies with people with IBS and and show that, you know, um, regular yoga sessions. Um, uh, were successfully able to reduce overall symptoms and um, in, in people with IBS. And I, we know that there's some specific poses that are really massaging the gut, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, and addressing the pelvic floor, but also, you know, like the twisting poses, for example, uh, they really help our gut muscles move. And when there's constipation and things are stuck there, um, you know, that can be very, very powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially if you, you know, if you can't do anything else, like if you can do more rigorous exercise, that's that's really the place to start. Mm -hmm. To get a good walk, maybe. <laughs> yes, yes, getting out in nature, but uh, for sure. Um, so tell everyone where they can find you and and work with you. 
Yeah, so I do have a website. It's my name, AntonellaDuel.com, uh, which is uh, quite a mouthful, but I'm sure you'll, you'll write it down somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, and uh, um, yeah, that, that's an easy way to contact me um, there. Um, you can get on the phone with me, um, you know, no strings attached. We can just talk about uh, your situation, what your gut symptoms are, and if you are a good candidate uh, for my protocol. And uh, um, if you're not ready for that, you can download uh, um, uh, a free gift that I have on my website. It's called the 10 Steps to Beat the Bloat. Uh, it just gives those, uh, you know, very basic recommendations, you know, before you go into even elimination and reintroduction protocol, like the one I described. There's some basic things that, you know, um, we all tend to forget, like not eating on the run, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or doing our food well, or having those, you know, regular meals. Uh, um, uh, that's so important for our regularity. Um, that that can really do a lot, you know. So that's always my starting point, and uh, you can get that for free on my website. Um, and I'm also on Instagram if you want to check me out there at IBS Nutritionist RD. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and your expertise. And today I think has been um, a really good overview and has given people, I think, you know, some things to think about and consider. So if you're out there struggling with any of these symptoms, you know, I really encourage you, you know, reach out to Antonella or, you know, um, find that person that again, um, knows about IBS, has experience in it themselves and treating it so that um, you can get on a path to recovery quicker. And so you're not sort of, you know, like trying things, shooting in the dark, going through unnecessary eliminations and, um, you know, and starting to feel better faster. Well, thank you, Lara, for the great conversation. Uh, yes. All right, everybody, we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks again, Antonella. Thank you.